welcome to today's edition of the Bradley Hall Show. I am your host, the Bradley Hall. All right. First, I wanted to just quickly say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you enjoy our content, please share it with friends and family or even strangers on social media and help us get the word out. We certainly would appreciate it. Also, if you are interested in finding out more about me and or working with me, please visit my website at www.thebradleyhall.com. Thanks again for the support, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, so this is my guest, um, the beautiful Jody Gerard, and Jody and I um, met each other. Um, we, well, why don't you why don't you get us started? Why don't you why don't you tell us why you're here? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was fortunate enough to be able to join this amazing support group on Facebook, and that's how I met you. Yeah. <laughs> so our our uh, thing in common is we. Um, took a DNA test and the test came back um, with a result that we weren't expecting. Um, so yeah, I joined the Facebook group. Um, my exact date of my email was uh, September 28th, 2018, 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon. <laughs> not that I'm paying, you know, not that it's seared in my brain or anything, but yeah. 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 So for, for people who are listening and don't know, uh, Jody and I are classified as what they, they, they classify as NPEs or in some circles, MPEs. Um, and the term NPE stands for, uh, is, there's several. Yeah. Right. Not, not parent expected, non-parental event. Yeah. Um, and what is, what does MPE stand for? Misattributed parent. Misattributed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Okay. So what that means is, is that Jody and I have both discovered later in our life <clears throat> that one or uh, an NPE is someone who discovers later in their, at some point in their life that one or both of their parents are not their biological parents. And Jody, you discovered yours um, at home DNA? Yes. Yes. Yep. Through an ancestry okay. test that I sent off for. Did you have any idea? Um, yeah, that's where, you know, my story gets a little, little weird. Um, and so many people have told me to quit saying that I felt stupid, but I mean, that's just kind of the reality of, you know, yeah, I kind of felt stupid because, um, I was raised by two white parents here in the middle of the country, um, beautiful rural America. And, um, I clearly don't look white. Um, so, you know, I, I'd never ask any questions, um, which is probably the biggest question I get asked is why didn't you ever ask any questions? And um, I'm not sure I have a great answer that will fulfill or sat maybe I should say satisfy someone's curiosity, but this is just kind of the way it is for me. Um, it's one of those things where when you're really little, you know, I didn't know how to ask when I got old enough to kind of start, you know, forming ideas in my own head. Um, there were only a few options you know, that I knew could be answers. And, you know, no one in my life was talking about it. So 
when I started thinking about that, I'm like, okay, either there's something really bad or, you know, something I shouldn't know, something people don't want me to know, or maybe nobody knows, I don't know. And so at some point in time, I think I switched over the older I got to, do I really want to know? You know, I was kind of afraid, you know, what is the answer and do I really want that reality? And so um, that's basically the answer to why I never asked. Um, if the people around me weren't talking about it, I figured maybe I wasn't supposed to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah. So at, at what age, what age did these starts? Did you start to have these thoughts and, and, and questions? Um, I was growing up keenly aware that I didn't look like anyone else. Um, the, the story that kind of comes to mind for me all the time is when I was in third grade. So that makes me eight, nine years old, I suppose. Um, and I won this poster contest, you know, and my local paper was sponsoring it. My art teacher um, had us all make this poster of a book we were reading. And I entered the contest and I won. And I remember distinctly how proud my art teacher was, how proud my third grade teacher was. My parents were so proud. My name was in our local paper. And I remember thinking to myself, I figured it out. I, I know what to do now. If I can be the best at everything I do, this is how people will love me and adore me and no one will notice that I look different than everyone around me. I mean, cause there was nobody in my school and my class and my community and my family that looked like me. So that was, and of course that's absurd, but you know, at that age, you know, I thought, you know, I've figured out how to cope with this. So at a very young age, I realized I looked different. Um, and, you know, over the years, you know, there would be times when I would try and work up the courage to ask. And I just, just never did. Yeah. And did you, did you find, and, and you discovered at what age? 45. 45. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the interesting thing is that a lot of people who have never experienced something like this mm -hmm. will sit at home and, and be like, she didn't look like anybody else. She didn't look like her parents. And she started figuring that out at nine. And then she was surprised at the age of 45. And, yeah. And, and, and there are times when I think that's the hardest part to explain to someone. Um, because even though that's the case, you know, you, you I, I sent off for this test and I get it sent back. And I think I was hoping that I was wrong, you know, that it was just some freak genetic thing, you know, that yeah. came from way back. Um, and even looking and staring at my computer screen when I got it, it, you've spent an entire lifetime, you know, creating who you are, trying to figure out where you fit in, you know, you've created a life by then, you know, I've, I've had children, five children, I've been married for 24 years at that time, um, 23 years. And, you know, I knew who, at least I thought I was. And so then you, you get that email and it, it just, it turns everything upside down. Um, it, yeah. there yeah. are still times that I can't put words to it. Um, because even though I, I think I should have known and deep down, I think I did know that something was up, um, to actually see it and see the truth mm -hmm. of it is something completely different. And, um, it just, you, you cannot wrap your brain around what you're looking at and the information that you've just received. No. And, and, and I, I, I want to stay on this for a second. Mm -hmm. And I know that uh, we've talked enough and you mentioned something here at the beginning of this, that um, 
that to some degree you feel you feel shamed. You, I think the words were, were that you you said you feel, I feel stupid. a little stupid. <laughs> but I, it's important. This is important because I say I say this all the time, and this really hits home right here. Is that human beings have the ability to see what they want to see, mm-hmm. see things how they want to see it. And I've always known that, but when I, when I became an NPE and I joined this group, which is now over 8,000 people in this one, one group, group. (laughs) um, and 90% of those are female. So we know there's another, there's another 80% of that group of men who haven't joined the group for whatever reason, um, this very large group of people. And I keep hearing it over and over and over and over. And it corroborates what I went through, what you're, what you're saying is that deep down, I knew something was different. And but I and I had information start to trickle to me over in my it, it was in my adulthood it was about the age of 33. When I first had a conversation with someone. And I just kind of pushed it aside. And then and I went, I went for a long period of time. And then I got the DNA test. And the reason we got the DNA test was uh, to explore ethnicity, we, we, were, we were going to have a, um, we had some friends that had a Christmas party, big shout out to, uh, Steffi and Alejandro Bell. They are, uh, Rodriguez. They, they had a, uh, they, they did their ethnicity and then they, at Christmas they revealed, or maybe Thanksgiving, but a holiday party, they revealed their ethnicity, uh, because, and you've heard this story a lot. People think they're, you know, they're Irish and then they find out yeah. they're really, you know, 10% Irish and right. 80% German or whatever. So they got their ethnicity results to surprise family members and, and, and heat up uh, Thanksgiving in a funny way. And we thought that was a good idea. So we, we played a little game. There's a, a program called Kahoot that you can mm-hmm. put questions into. We had 20 some family members here. Everybody had their devices and we put questions up about our ethnicity with my wife and I, because her family claims to be Irish and I had more Irish. So we played, we, we were going to play a little game with it. Mm-hmm. It was the other half. When I saw it, I couldn't, so first of all, I didn't even think about any of this when I ordered the DNA test. It was an afterthought. I didn't even think about it. Consciously, I think subconsciously, there was something going on. Mm-hmm. But when, when I got the initial results and I looked at it, I, I couldn't make sense of what I was looking at. I just couldn't make sense of it. And I kept looking at it and I kept looking at it. And I, and I put it aside for about six months before it finally clicked. One day it finally hit me. Oh my God, this, this is really happening. But so I had information. I had an idea. I'd always known to some degree that I was different. Someone I had started having conversations with people. Then I had the evidence right in front of me and it still took me Mm -hmm. six months to process it Mm -hmm. um, because it absolutely disrupts our identity. Mm -hmm. It does. Did does. did, Did you feel like the rug had just pulled out from underneath you? Yes. Yeah. Um, the bad part for me is I don't think that I, I realized how much it, you know, looking it, it's, this is a hindsight thing for me, looking back to how I was behaving and how I was feeling. And, you know, it, it was, I think it's worse than what I even thought at the time. Um, just, I, I wasn't eating very well. I, I couldn't sleep. I didn't know what to do. Cause you know, you really, honestly, for me, that was the big question then was the, okay, I have this information now, what, you know, right what do I do with this information? Um, I'm 45 years old and, you know, there's this entire half of me that I didn't know anything about. 
Um, and it, it just, to call it a trauma is just an understatement to me. Um, it just, it rocked me in ways. I mean, losing my dad who raised me is the only thing, honestly, that has even come close to yeah. disrupting my life as much as what this did. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's hang around here for a second. Yeah. Uh, I, I want people to understand what you said, that you said that calling it trauma is an understatement. First of all, most people who don't understand this experience, this is, this is now, this is new, it's a new phenomena, but by the psychological community is now starting to recognize this as trauma. So this is, this is a real, a real life traumatic event, which is why you said trauma. But then you said that to even call it trauma is an understatement because the the word trauma is so simplistic but it is this absolutely destroys you i can't i don't know that i can use enough descriptors and metaphors to really get the point across it just feels like someone rips your your heart out just and and leaves it lying on the floor how long when you discovered this what's what's the first thing you did um well i was at work when i found out um and I did the whole, when I got the email and I did the whole, oh, you know, I'll, I'll look at it when I get home, you know, kind of a thing, which lasted all of about five seconds, you know, <laughs> the whole yeah. curiosity killed the cat thing. So I open it, I read it. Um, and, you know, it, what's, I guess, amazing to me is this immediate, I had a physical response. I remember my heart pounding and that whole, you know, when you can start hearing that in your ears, yeah. that whole heart pounding thing. And I remember, I, I felt sick to my stomach. And I just, I'm thinking, what am I looking at? And so I um, called one of my dear friends, um, one of my best friends that um, she had actually taken a DNA test a while ago. She knew she was adopted and had been looking for her family. And I knew she'd done ancestry. So I just asked her, I said, are you home? I need to come see you. Um, because I thought she can walk me through. I'd never been on, I really hadn't done much with ancestry other than, you know, um, whatever you call it, registering my kit. Yeah. So I go down to her house, I took my computer with me and I opened it up and, um, and I said, well, I did something because mind you, I, I ordered this test, got it in the mail. Um, it just so happened no one had been home and gotten the mail that day. Very unusual at my house. I'm not normally always the first one to get the mail, but got the mail, saw that the test had come, taken it home, hit it, spit in the tube the next morning, put it back in the mailbox and had told no one. I didn't tell my husband, I didn't tell my kids, I didn't tell any of my best friends, none of my family, nothing. So my best friend didn't, she didn't know that I had done this. Okay. And so um, I uh, went to her house, opened up my computer and said, this is what I've done. And so showed her my results and she just, she got real quiet and she was like, so how are you feeling? And I'm just, at that, I mean, I literally, I was having trouble and I consider myself a very intelligent person. I'm very, you know, I'm very calculated, kind of controlled, um, just, you know, I, I, I keep things in order. And I was having trouble processing thoughts at the time. So I'm literally looking at her saying, well, how am I feeling about what? <laughs> and yeah. she's looking at my ethnicity results. That's what I pulled up first. And she said, you're half black. And I just looked at her because I then heard somebody say it, you know, I'd seen it on a screen yeah. and then I heard it come out of somebody's mouth. And I thought, what? You know, I just literally, even though I look in the mirror every day and see what I see, I was just, I, I couldn't process what she was saying. And so then she asked me, she said, well, have you looked at, you know, do you have any matches yet? And she said, you know, had kind of relayed to me that she'd only ever had, you know, some 
second, third cousin matches, you know, and so she showed me where to click on. So I did. And um, I had two close family matches. And I mean, her eyes just got big, you know, so she's thinking, wow, okay, you've got hints here already. So um, one of them didn't have a picture. And one of them did. And he was a black man. And so then I'm staring at, you know, <laughs> this face that is a close family match. And um, we started looking at, you know, the number of centimorgans that we share, which, you know, for those of you who don't know on Ancestry, that's how you're, you know, you're, how many centimorgans of DNA, clips of DNA that you share with someone, and then they tell you where you might be related. So in this particular case, I shared enough DNA with this um, man to either be my grandfather, an uncle, or a half sibling. Okay. Um, didn't look old enough at all to be a grandfather. Yeah. And I didn't even think looked old enough to be my uncle. So I was sitting there staring at the face of a half sibling and he was black. And I just, I was speechless. I know if I went back and probably asked my friend, I, I had to have this just glazed look on my face. And then I realized I needed to go home and tell my husband what I'd done because he yeah. didn't know. <laughs> yeah. and, and I didn't know what to do next. So yeah, I came home and had this discussion with my husband who, um, I'll be honest, it, it, that's one of the parts that I wish, you know, if I could handle anything differently, it would maybe have been just to be more honest with my husband. And I'm talking way back with how this was, you know, affecting me because I didn't even talk to him. I didn't tell him it because what was it going to do? You know, I, I was 45 years old. I'd lived all my life looking different. I was yeah. used to being the only one who looked like me in a room. So, you know, it just, that was my life. And so I never really told him how much it bothered me and how much I wish maybe I'd known or how many, you know, how much questions I had about it. And so now here I was, I'd taken this DNA test and hadn't told him. And so this poor, poor man was just kind of blindsided with all of this, you know, wow. at once. Wow. So, How did he react initially? Um, he, he tried to be as supportive as he could and not knowing even what to do. So, I mean, you know, like he yeah. comes home from work, walks in the house and I say, I did a thing. <laughs> here's what I did. And here's what I now know. And he's just staring at me like, oh my gosh. And, you know, it, so I, I think the first words he said to me were something like, it's okay. We'll get through this. We just, you know, I mean, he's like, he needed to sit down. He's like, okay, what do you know? And so I kind of started walking him through. And I mean, he was just, he had no words. He didn't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I hear that a lot too. Um, you know, my wife said, my wife just said to me, I, I don't know how to help. She's like, I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't, I don't know what to do, which I, I appreciated that. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I really did. The, um, the, the ripple effect, the shock wave that comes out of this is felt by many people. And uh, no doubt your husband was feeling it. So mm -hmm. where did you go from there? Um, this was on, so I got the email on a Friday. And this is how much, by the way, it's seared into your brain. So I got it on a Friday, um, went home, talked to my husband, and we just kind of decided, you know, I, this was my my plan because I'm a planner. I was just going to sit on it for a little bit and kind of try and figure out, get my bearings around me, figure out what to do next. That lasted all until about Sunday afternoon. And I started emailing people on Ancestry. So I emailed all of my top three matches. Two had the same last name and um, the one gentleman with the picture didn't. And so I, but I emailed all three of them. 
um, the one with the picture answered me back in about a half hour. <laughs> he had been looking for a little while for a family. He knew who his biological father was, but didn't know if there was, you know, any other family besides he had a suspicion about at least one brother out there. Um, and what's really funny, I went back and looked at that email that I sent and I said, I, when I was typing it out, I introduced myself and said, you know, I've been thinking about doing this for about a week and I just can't take it anymore. I need to email you. It'd been two days. That's how <laughs> like off my brain was. I mean, I, I read that again. I'm like a week. It'd been two days. <laughs> But that's what, you know, that's what my brain was doing at that time. I had no idea. I had no concept. No. It felt like of time or whatever. And I just, I giggle about that now. I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> that says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it <laughs> sounds like he was really responsible, uh, really he, responsive to you. He was absolutely. And we're very close. And, and, and I've, I have one of those um, fairy tale endings, I have to tell you. And I feel sometimes like it's, I shouldn't even share it because I've, talked to and met all of my siblings that you know we know about and um they've all just been amazingly wonderful and um we get along really well and i love them dearly and they love me and i mean that even goes into cousins i've met cousins um and i have an aunt that's still living um and they've just all been so welcoming and loving to me and i know that's not everybody's you know case yeah. and so there are times when i feel bad even sharing that but then you know the, the flip side of that is sometimes i want to encourage people you know keep trying because i there are stories of people that even a year down the road you know new family comes that's around right. is that's right so. it's it's a shock to everyone it is it, cha it changes shock. everyone's lives to, in varying various degrees for whatever reason but i and i think a lot of times, and you probably heard me talk about that before that a lot, I mean, we, we rightfully get sucked into our own stuff. Oh, and and because it's happening to us, it, we can, we can dismiss and, and I dismiss not even the yeah. word because we cannot even realize that it's affecting other people. It took me a while to understand that it was affecting my my family members like it was on the back end. I'm I'm I'm, I'm so grateful that your story has turned out like it has and and you your family member and with that if you don't mind i have to give a shout out to my new family because uh my cousin michelle and my cousin bruce are are watching us right now oh. um they my 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 biological family also welcomed me with open arms unfortunately it was during covid no, i know uh, yeah, yeah right <laughs> so i've been i i was able to meet my only surviving biological uncle uh, before he unexpectedly passed away earlier this year. I was grateful that I got a, a chance to spend a week with him. Um, but his daughter and uh, my 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 biological father's other brother's daughter. Um, and uh, then um, I, I won't confuse you. I won't bore you with all that. I just want to give them a shout out. They're watching here. Yes. They've been great. I'm really looking forward to meeting them. And I, I, I consider that a blessing. And I know that, oh, again, you. some people don't, they don't have that. And there's some them horror stories, but I, I agree with you. Give it time because, mm -hmm. uh, it disrupts everybody's life. Well, it does. And, and I think back to, you know, just, I, I love how you put that we get so wrapped up in this, my, and it's for the people that know me, it's going to be really hard for them to imagine me like this. And that's another hard part about, um, explaining what I went through because I really kind of, I've always been that person who's, you know, had it together and you know, at least tried to put on that face all the time. And this really had me in a place where it, 
there's no other word really, honestly, to use for it, but I was selfish because I couldn't unfocus on this. I couldn't think about anything else. I couldn't perform, you know, what I thought were just my day-to-day duties. It was like I was a robot just kind of going through things, you know, but my mind was never really present. And, um, and I have, I, I've on occasion and maybe more than what I needed to, but, you know, I've written letters or texts or whatever to some of my brother's wives because mm. I inserted myself in their life in a way, you know, cause I'm just desperate for information. I want to know about this, my black side. I want to know about my family. I want to know about my extended family. I want to know about grandparents and great grandparents. I want to know about them. I wanted to get to know them. And it was just this flurry of texting and, and, you know, talking on the phone and, you know, an obsession really. And, and I remember just, I, I would, I'd written them and just said, you know, I'm sorry, you know, because I, there's no way of getting around that I have hijacked your husband <laughs> for yeah. a while. And, you know, and here's the thing that I have to remember too. I'm, I'm a, just a strange woman, you know, yes, right. I'm biologically related, but I'm also just getting here, you know, so right. it's not like a sister that they've grown up with. And so, um, it is, it's, it affects so many people and affects so many lives and there's no way of getting around that. And um, I don't know how to make that better for anyone yeah. <laughs> um, other than to try and, you know, get people in the new family side or spouses and whatever, just to understand that, you know, this has rocked us in a way that we can't explain. And um, we try and get through it. And, you know, I, I went and saw a counselor, you know, my husband was great. Um, I have two best friends and, you know, both of them are, I don't know if they're watching or not, but Christine and Andrea have helped me out a ton through this. Um, and so with people around me like that, I, I've gotten what I would consider better and more, you know, trying to figure out what life looks like now. Yeah. It takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes time. How soon after your discovery did you find the group? Um, I want to say, I should have looked this up. I want to say I joined in November of 2018. So it wasn't all that long because again, the organized weird way my mind works. Um, I wanted to know what was out there. I started Googling books, um, that I could read and to see, you know, it's like, cause I'm sitting here thinking, what do I do with this? Is there anything? Has this ever, because at that time I was like, has this ever happened to anybody else? I didn't know anybody that this had happened to. And so that's how I came across. I, it was some type of an article about Catherine St. Clair and that directed me to the group. And so I just on a whim, you know, clicked on the gateway link and um, asked to join. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what was your experience when you joined the group? Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. Not only did I find that I was definitely not alone. Um, and at the time when I joined, I want to say there was maybe only 1500 people. I think um, we joined about, about the same time. I think there was a thousand when I joined. Yeah, somewhere around in there. Um, so I can't believe how much it's exploded. But just the idea that there were people out there that were going through this same thing. And then not only that, um, and I don't know if my friend Lisa is, you know, watching and or Bruce. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of people out there that have my same story that grew up, you know, looking different than their family, found out that their biological father is African-American and gone through that whole thing. I mean, I was, I was blown away. I had no idea there were other people out there. And so that was hugely helpful to me because they were really the only ones who understood. Um, and I could go somewhere and say, I, I am, I found myself in a, just a pile puddle of tears one day. 
and it's, it's gonna, I don't know why this still, it chokes me up every once in a while to realize that I have no full siblings on this earth. Yeah, and it was, exactly. and it was, it hit me one day. It, I don't know why I was even thinking about it. It just all of a sudden hit me. I have no full siblings. And it just, and I went to the group and, and typed something in. And I mean, this list of people just, you know, encouraged me and, you know, loved me and, you know, and said, oh, I feel the same way and told me what you're feeling is normal and, you know, and helped me through it. Yeah. And these are the things that people, when they first discover this, I had, I had a very good friend of mine. His first words were, well, your dad's still your dad. And he's, he said that out of, out of respect. I mean, he was trying to make me feel better. Right. Mm -hmm. But so it's these details, the things that we're talking about that suddenly we realize that, um, not just our, our biological father isn't our biological father, but everyone that comes along with that family that we spent every holiday with every birthday with side by side, whatever the case may be growing up, they're not biologically related. And mm -hmm you can say that that doesn't matter all you want, but it does something to the mind. Mm -hmm. And that take, you have to work through that. In the end, in the end of my situation, it's, it's not going to matter. But right. I have done a lot of work to get here to, to make sure yeah. that that's the right place to be. And you could tell me all you want, but I, ha I have to work through it. Yeah. And, and the same thing, thinking you have several siblings and then realizing that you now only have half siblings it may not seem like it makes a difference to someone who hasn't experienced it but it it doesn't it does a number on your brain i mean it, 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 it really does. is traumatic it feels um, almost like you've ripped off an arm you know and, yeah. and you're trying to attach you know a different one but you're saying well but that arm is still my arm you know and, and you're trying to figure out how how does that all fit together with three arms <laughs> yeah. you know what what does that even look like yeah uh, and, you know, and I told somebody one time that it, it felt like um, if I had the story of my life, my book of my life, that it was like somebody came along and ripped out all the pages, threw them up in the air and added a bunch of pages. Yeah. And so when they fell down, now I'm trying to pick up these pages and put them back in a book. And there's pages of people that I don't know, events that I wasn't ever a part of. And I'm trying to make them all fit. There's pages of things. Obviously, everything in my book happened to me. But now I'm trying, I'm looking at them like, okay, but where do they fit now? How, how does this all fit together and make my life story mean something right. real and in, in any sort of sense that makes sense and any sort of order that makes sense and in any sort of way that it can be there together? Because I, I love, I love what you just said, because in this situation, we now question whether everything was real. Yeah. When I look back, I'm like, who knew? Mm -hmm. Who, 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 who knew, who suspected, who had conversations? And you know, that's a question. That's a question I've asked everybody in my family that I've talked to. It's like, and I say it this way, and even friends, I say, I know you had to have had conversations. I started out like that. Like, yeah, I yeah. know you did. Yeah. 100% of the people said, yeah, we did. Yeah. But they just never said, you know, and didn't know and, you know, whatever, but I know they did. And so that it is, you're going back and you're doing that. Okay. 
you start questioning everybody's behavior. You're, right. You're like, was I, was I six years old and I left the room right. and then they had a conversation yeah. about me after I left the room, after I went outside and played with, with my cousins or whatever the case yeah. may be. And, and that'll, that will make you rethink whether your entire, entire childhood is real. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we have to work through. I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that, that um, you went to therapy. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that I'm took me about a year to admit I needed and some yeah. coaxing by a lot of people who love me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate your vulnerability. I, I didn't. And I wish I would have. Mm -hmm. um, the, the group offered that for, for me. And I, I had already done a lot of self healing, a lot of work from my life was a catastrophe about 15, 20 years ago. I had already come a long way. So I had all those skills. Mm -hmm. um, and then the group was a tremendous blessing. And then my my biological family being welcoming was a blessing, yeah. but in the end, I still wish I would have gone to therapy. So I'm, I'm, I appreciate you saying that because anybody listening, if you're thinking about therapy at all, just do it. Yeah. You can always go and, and not go back if you, if it's right. not working for you, but if you're even thinking about it, there's a reason and we need to lose the stigma. Um, we not, I mean, not only do we need to get people more access and easier access, which I, I, I think through COVID that is happening. I know my workplace, they, they all over the place. I mean, it's constant reminding that we have, we have benefits. So I, I, I just, I, I wanted to make a big deal about that, that yeah. the, if you, if you're thinking about it, it, it please, it, there's nothing wrong with getting help. No. There's something very cathartic about talking about your experience, which I know you found in the group as well as I have. Yeah. Um, I came in lurking and watching. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I read stories and I thought I'm not the only one. And then eventually it boiled over enough to where I went on a long rant and uh, I got a stern warning from Catherine about language. And, uh, <laughs> I still tease her about that every time I see her about, uh, um, it was, it was volatile and full of emotion, but it, it was yeah. so, it made me feel so much better to just get it out. Yeah. And, and that's what therapy does. So, um, okay. So then what? Um, it was probably two weeks, maybe after my discovery that I knew I needed to go talk to my mom, which, you know, was hands down one of the most difficult conversations I've ever had. Um, I, I struggle with, um, you know, when people say, well, you're still Jody, you're still you, you know, and, and I struggle with feeling guilty, even sometimes talking about this because I did have a good life. Okay. I had two amazing parents who both loved me. Um, my father who raised me, my dad, um, he never once acted like I wasn't his child, um, ever, never treated me like that. Um, so I was so blessed in that, you know, realm. Um, so I, I don't have this, you know, cause there, there are, there's stories of people who grew up, you know, being treated very differently, you know, because maybe the father raising them knew and, you know, so there was that, you know, angst amongst the parents and then the kid ended up, you know, was taken out on the kid. Um, and I didn't have that. So, um, just walking through what I was going to tell my mom, um, I knew she had to have had a reason for not telling me. And so here I'd found it out anyway. Um, so anyway, that was an extremely difficult conversation. Um, she didn't, you know, try and, and hide it anymore. Um, after I told her, you know, that I'd taken a DNA test. Um, 
but she didn't want to talk about it. Um, the circumstances around my um, conception are just, you know, that's, that's her story and her part to tell. Um, I will just say that um, it brought up so much for her. You know, when you talked about the ripple effects of how this, you know, discovery affects other people around us, it, it brought up things that she hadn't wanted to think about for 45 years. And yeah. And at that point in time, you know, I'm, I'm 45 years old. I mean, she thinks that this is not something that I'll ever have to think about again. You know, she yeah. would have taken that to her grave with her. Um, and so the realization of how what I had found out hurt her was really hard on me. Um, it, it strained our relationship at first because, you know, and again, just trying to be completely open and honest. And I've, and I've talked to her about this. I was angry. I went through this period of anger and bitterness because um, you go through that whole, what did I miss out on? You know, that's kind of the second place your brain goes after trying to figure out who might've known. And, you know, you're questioning your whole life that you lived. Now you switch over and you're worried about, well, what did I miss out on the life that I didn't have? You know? And so you go through the anger and the bitterness there a little bit about, you know, why didn't this, I should have been told this, this is something I should have known. Um, and then after a while now, and again, you know, we, we haven't, you know, talked a lot about my, my faith yet, but luckily that took over a little bit for me um, because I was able to extend a lot of grace and mercy to her because frankly, you know, I'm here because this woman had, and again, some of these things get me choked up. She had the wherewithal to keep me Yeah. at a time she didn't have to. And no one around her would have blamed her. No one around her might've known. And so I'm here because she made that decision. And then she kept me at a time when, you know, raising a biracial child and having a biracial child was not looked well upon. Um, she displayed, a, a, even though it was a, you know, I'm just not gonna talk about it and tell anybody, she displayed a level of courage that, you know, I don't even know if I possess. <laughs> and I'm trying to think about the time, you know, we're talking 1973 yeah. here. So um, it was an extremely difficult conversation. Um, and after that, um, it was just one of those things that I didn't touch again for a while. You know, it's just kind of like, okay, we talked, leave it alone for a little bit. But then it started eat on, eating on me that I hadn't told my brother and sister I grew up with. Um, I thought they needed to know. So my mom and I sat down with them and that was probably in December, I think, if I'm remembering right, told them. Um, and they were very, um, very supportive of it. I don't think they knew what to think. Again, you know, you like people don't know how to process this, yeah. you know, when you find this out so much later in life. Um, their, their concern was to, you know, protect and, you know, take care of mom. And so at the time, we'd kind of just decided that, you know, I was going to take things really slowly. Um, they, I think, would have preferred probably that I didn't talk about it. Um, and that's another, you know, really touchy subject that really, all of us yeah, go through. It really is. Where, where is that? What's right and what's wrong? You know, because this is her story and it's my story. Right. So who gets to own that? You know, who gets to say how it comes out, how much it comes out, what is told? 
Um, and, you know, and I, I will admit again, you know, just because I'm, I'm at this point where I feel like I need to be really honest about how I was feeling at the time to then kind of show how I've grown and, you know, how I appreciate, you know, maybe what people were thinking and feeling. But, you know, when my brother and sister that I grew up with were talking about being really concerned about protecting my mom, you know, and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm the one just finding out kind of life changing news here. Yeah. And, and, but it, at the time, it wasn't really like anyone was concerned about me. You know, it was just, okay. And I get that. I wanted to protect my mom. But at the same time, you know, again, I'm kind of doing this inner looking thing of, this is huge. You know, she's yeah. not finding out anything. She didn't already know. I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you they know. Can't, they can't identify. They don't. No, they, they it, it doesn't compute. They, they, look no. at, they look in your situation. They look at their mother. They know that 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 there there's something that has haunted her for a long time yes. that she was hurting and that's a natural instinct Absolutely. to protect that and then there you're you're just you're Jody you've always been Jody and you're sitting right here next to us yeah. it's 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 not easy to remember at the moment though is it no. I, yeah I, you know and there's so much to that we don't have time to go through all that i know, I know you want to get to some <laughs> other things but um you know it doesn't it doesn't make it right um, it, but it's understandable, you know, it's, it, it takes away some of the venom. If you understand human yes. behavior and you, you know, that they yes. just, they just don't get it. Yeah. They um, just have, they have no, you know, frame of reference to understand what it feels like. Yeah. 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 So I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, that's okay. So anyway, we, we got through that. Um, and, um, oddly enough, I think, you know, just to condense, you know, because this has been, I'm going to be on three years here in September since I found out. And so you kind of go through waves. It seemed like I just, I kind of put it aside. I did focus on, you know, I, I went through meeting my siblings, um, did all of that first. Um, and then and I did, I had told my mom, this is why, by the way, they tell you when you have a traumatic event, don't make big decisions, you know, and don't say things, you know, that you might right. back later. Cause I did, right. I was honest. And I said, I really, at the time, so this was a few months afterwards thought I had no intention on ever meeting my biological father. I'm like, I, I just don't need that. And of course, you know, curiosity starts kicking in. I mean, you know, now I'm looking at a face in a mirror that I had grown up hating, just wishing it looked like my family, you know, just every day. It's like, what do you do with this? You know, it's like this hair is just driving me crazy. And um, so then now it was just this curiosity thing. You know, I wanted to know, you know, do I look like him? Do I have mannerisms like him? Right. You know, do I sound like him? Um, do my hands look like him? You know, I, I, I didn't have my dad's hands, obviously, you know, and I, to a certain extent, I didn't even really think growing up. I don't know why I had this thing. My dad's hands, he was a farmer, but he always wore gloves. My dad had these beautiful, strong hands. And it was like, to me, this was the symbol of security and comfort in my dad's hands. And so I just, but I didn't have his. <laughs> and so then I was starting to wonder, you know, do my hands look like my biological father's? Um, he was a really, really good basketball player in the NBA for a few years. And, and I was a good basketball player. It's like, did I play like him? You know, I, I wanted, it's like, can I see him play? You know, can I find, so I was constantly searching for, you know, clips of him playing to see, you know, does that remind me of me? You know, so the curiosity just started driving me crazy until I finally had to go meet him, um, which again, hurt my mother, which I hate. Um, and I don't know how to reconcile those two things. I yeah. don't know what the right thing is to do um, in those situations other than for me, 
to heal and to keep moving forward. It was something I had to do. I had to look him in the eyes and I had to be in his presence. Um, so kind that, of started down that road. That I want to, I, I, I want to, I want to appreciate that. Um, that's a tough spot to be in. And my, my situation it, it is a little similar um, because my um, birth certificate father, my dad, um, has been unbelievably supportive through this whole thing. And um, my biological father passed away in 2003. I never got a chance to, to meet mm -hmm. him, which is another, <laughs> that's another discussion. Yeah, another. <laughs> um, but, but I did go meet his brother. And I, I found all of them on Facebook and it was suddenly, I didn't look like anyone else growing up. And I suddenly found a, this whole tribe of people on Facebook. I looked like all of them. I could just sit down in the middle of the family reunion. Everybody think I've, I've been there my whole life. Yeah. When I went to meet, went to meet my uncle and I got out of the car, I, he whispered under his breath, Oh my God, you look just like my brother. Mm. And the validation, I just never, you know, I didn't, I didn't, obviously I didn't look like my dad and I knew that. Yeah. And, um, and so I just want people who are listening to understand people who have gone through that experience. I want, I want them to be validated people who don't haven't gone through this and they don't understand. I want them to understand how important that is that, yeah. that you, in, in, in your situation, you knew it was going to hurt your mother, but it's something you still had to do for your own healing. Yeah. And that's a horrible, horrible, horrible place to be in. It, it yeah. really is. Um, it is. But we have to honor ourselves and, if you can heal, then you can help your mother heal to a certain degree. And yeah. I think that's, that's critical. Yeah. Um, I, I cried like a baby the first time someone told me, um, it was my cousin, um, a cousin that I met, um, Tanya and, uh, we were, we'd been messengering back and forth on Facebook messenger. And I'd said, she told me she'd snooped on my Facebook page and she told me, she said, Oh my gosh, you look like, and she told me one of my aunts that had passed away. She's like, you look just like her. I just wept. Yeah. Just, I, I couldn't hold it together because I had never had anyone say that to me before, Yeah, you know, um, I understand. and, you know, and, and having said that, you know, there are people that have told me, well, you know, you have your mom's nose, you know, and stuff like that. And, and I, I, I might, and maybe I do, um, yeah. but you know, there, my sister could be her twin. <laughs> I mean, they just, they look so much alike my brother growing, you know, that I grew up with as, as he gets older, he is so much like my dad. I mean, he walks like him. He's starting to talk like him as fate. And so I, I have now that, like you said, this group of people that, you know, somebody said, wow, you know, yep, you're, you're one of us. And I'm like, oh, it just, I, I don't know what that is that we have inside us that needs that, but it was hugely important to me. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't replace, mm -mm. it doesn't replace the previous family. It's, uh -uh. it's no different than, than me making new friends at work that become right. lifelong friends. And you become close to it's, it, it it's healing. And mm -hmm. I, I'm glad you, that you experienced that. And some people don't, and, and yeah. anyone who's listening, who doesn't, my heart goes out to you um, because I haven't had that experience. I've had some other negative experiences uh, that some people don't, don't deal with, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that yours turned out so well. So let, let's, let's get to the big one. Mm. All right. <laughs> um, you had expressed, uh, how much your faith meant to you mm -hmm. in this process and in such a way that I know it means a lot to you. And mm -hmm. you, you mentioned something about 20 minutes ago that we hadn't got to that yet. And so I, I know that you're waiting, you're waiting to get to this. So 
I want, I want you to just tell me what you want to tell me and to tell the listeners about, about your faith in this process and, and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's always been a part of my life. Um, I grew up in this beautiful little country church, not too far from where I live here. Um, really beautiful people there, wonderful pastor who married my husband and I, um, just beautiful little Bible believing church. So it was always there, but for me, it was just, there was a lot of head knowledge to it. You know, I I don't know that I was living it, you know, like I should be, but you know, I was young and you're growing up and you know, there's a maturity process just like with anything else. Um, What I didn't take away when I was younger that I think would have really helped me is identity and where that belongs, you know? And once I have figured that out now and rooted it where it should be. So my identity is in Christ, you know, I'm a daughter of the King. Once I figured that out, the whole idea of, am I black or am I white became side issues that I could just start working around, you know, and I could get them put together better. Um, because I went through, again, this identity crisis was, and I, I'm not, I'm going to be vulnerable here and admit <laughs> people who know me and were, have been gone through this with me. They know I'm telling the truth here. I went through this little bit of time after I found out where I was like, you know what? I spent the first 45 years of my life being white. I'm going to be black now. I mean, and it was just, this, you know, which sounds insane to say and stupid to say. And it was like, so then it was like this huge issue in my head of like, what does that even mean? <laughs> You know, I live in rural Iowa <laughs> on a hobby farm, by the way, I have goats and chickens. What does that look like? And so I'm asking stupid questions of my new siblings. It's like, teach me how to be black. <laughs> what do I need to do? And they're laughing. They were so gracious and so kind and so understanding. Um, it had this whole list of movies I need to watch. You know, you have to watch these movies if you're black. And I had, of course, seen none of them. Um, so it was just this shift of who am I that I was going through. And so it took me kind of hitting a little bit of rock bottom, figuring out I needed to see this counselor. Um, One of my new brothers is a born again believer as well. And, you know, he he beat a lot of things over my head and would remind me of things that I was forgetting about my faith at the time. And, um, and I went, so I went to see this counselor who's a Christian counselor. And, you know, what he did, what he validated for me is that, um, as a Christian, it's okay to still feel these things, you know, because in my head, I think I was thinking, okay, I should be able to handle stuff like this, you know, I'm supposed to be a believer. And Christians put too much on themselves. Sometimes you you can still feel all of those emotions. Those are normal emotions that everybody has. What I have now, though, is the hope that, you know, and and I I know where my identity is grounded in. And so that helped me be able to say, okay, guess what? I'm not black. I'm not white. I'm both. And I can love both of those halves of me because this is how this is how I was created. God knew how this was all going to play out. And so then I've been able to look back on my life and see these things that happened to me in my past that have helped me cope with the here and now, you know. And so going through that whole process of, oh, I wish I would have known and what would my life have been like? You know, now I can look at it. I'm like, nope, I was supposed to find out when I was 45 years old. God knew I could handle it now. He's directed my path in, you know, now I'm sitting here talking about this with you. I would have never done this. I would have never done this. Really? 
No, not talked you're, about you're myself, great. my failures and my vulnerabilities. And, you know, because that's not who I was. I mean, remember, yeah. I'm, I'm this person who's the best at everything she does. I was yeah, valedictorian. Yeah. I went to, you know, school on a full ride basketball and academic scholarship. I have it all together. Jody doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, I do. I always have. Yeah. <laughs> it was just that I was tying people's love for me and my acceptance and my validation to my accomplishments rather than just on the fact that I'm a I'm created in the image of God. That's who I am. And so the rest of it are gifts he's given me. The rest of it is the course of life that he has me on. Um, and it's okay. <laughs> it's yeah. okay to be upset about these things. It's okay to try and work through them. It's okay to not have it together all the time. <laughs> It's okay to cry. I mean, I, I I don't cry very much, and this has turned me into a hot mess. And so, <laughs> <laughs> I've had to get over doing that in front of people. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's been it's it's grown me in ways I I wouldn't have ever grown this much in my faith had this not happened to me. And so that's huge. It's like something as traumatic as this has turned out to be such a good thing for me. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. It, and it's called post traumatic growth, <laughs> and it's a thing. And uh, I'm sure you've heard some of my lectures about, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the choice that we have, we can either remain a victim in our circumstance or, or we can grow from it. We don't have any other choice, right? You either <laughs> right. just let it destroy you or you figure yeah. out how to make it work for you. And you've certainly, you've certainly done that. And, and I, your, your ability uh, to, <clears throat> I, I don't really, I, <laughs> I'm not at a loss for words very much in case you've never noticed that. <laughs> um, I, I, I think you're amazing. So many people have a hard time moving forward from this and, and we see it all the time. And, and there's so many people in the group and we have our, our regular discussions and, and um, you know, the, the, in, within the group and, and I, I just put together a course on this actually that I'm, I'm going to launch July 1st that we have to, we have to repair our foundation. And this, this blows our foundation completely apart. We think we're one thing, um, really in our identity is unnecessarily rooted in what we think we are anyway. Yes. You know, yes, we're like, absolutely. Oh, I, I'm Irish and I'm, a, yeah. you know, a farmer's daughter, whatever the case yeah. may be. Um, and that's not really who we are. Those are just labels that we attach to ourselves. And this, this blows, <laughs> it blows no. all that to pieces. And we have to, and any, any type of identity, any type of trauma, significant trauma disrupts our identity. And this is glaringly obvious. And your situation is even more glaringly obvious. Um, but we have to repair that foundation uh, mm -hmm. before we can, we can heal and we can move forward. And, and, but the beauty is, is that when we do that, then we, then we, then we get to choose who we become. We we've always chosen who we are. Mm -hmm. We just didn't realize we were making those choices. And this puts the ball in our court. Then we get to really accept what we want, deny, put, yeah. uh, deny what we want and really put the pieces together and live how we want to live, which, man, I wish I would have had that knowledge when I was 17. But yeah. um, I, I, I paid dearly to get this knowledge. So I'm, <laughs> I'm happy for it. Yeah. And, well, you know, and I've, I've thought about that, too. And, you know, all I can say is that I'm thinking... I, you know, you take even just one little thing and change it back in my life as I've, you know, come along here, that changes everything after it. That's right. And I'm, and I'm sitting here with you, you know, able to 
you know, talk about, you know, things that I've failed at and, and how God has used all of those messes that I came through yep. to hopefully, you know, my goal is to just hopefully always be honest enough and vulnerable enough and, and listen to people and be loving enough to help someone through this, you know, cause I can't fix it for them. You know, it's, it's just, they just need someone sometimes to just be able to bounce this off of and, you know, and to listen to them and to say, you know what, I've been there, but even though I've been there, you know, my, my walk is different than your walk. I mean, it, there's, there's differences for each of us and we all get there, you know, the timeline is different and, and the circumstances are different and, you know, results are different. And so um, I, I'm grateful. I've, I've come to the point where I'm grateful. There's a place in the Bible where, you know, Paul talks about being grateful for your trials or Timothy, I'm going to get all that messed up. And my brother's going to <laughs> call me on it. So yeah, you got that one wrong, but anyway, being grateful for your trials. Right. And, um, and I am now I, I've gotten to that point where I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that the things that happened to me have now been able, I, I can use them for something good. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That that's a good place to really start wrapping this up. The one, I, the one thing I want to go back, you said something a second ago, that I think we all need to realize, and this is just isn't NPEs, this is everybody mm -hmm. and people who are struggling with their identity or their purpose in the world or whatever the case may be. Anything changes between both of your biological parents, you don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And I get a lot of NPEs that say, I, I wish this never would have happened. I want to belong to my, the dad who raised me. It doesn't work that way. You, you would, you would be somebody completely different. It doesn't. Yeah. So um, any, and any, anything changes, even the time changes where uh, if we're conceived a minute later, we're yep. someone completely different. We're not who we are. So from that respect, it's a miracle that you and I are sitting here talking to each other and the numbers are, are exponentially outrageous. They're unfactorable of what the odds that you and I get to be in the same exactly. space and time. Um, it's a true miracle. So I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you spending time with me um, today. I'm, I'm grateful that you allowed me to, you know, share my, my story. Yeah. Uh, anytime, anytime. I hope you do a lot more of it. Um, you've got a remarkable story. You've got a great presence about you. I think people listen to you. Um, so I'm grateful that you're here. I'm sorry about the technical difficulties. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we will get that worked out, but um yeah. And please stay in touch. Let's, um, we, we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of people who are hurting and, um, we got a lot of people who don't know we're here either. Yes. And we, we need to find, find them and get the word out and, and help people. So yes. keep, uh, keep, keep sharing your light. Will you? I will. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. I appreciate it, Jody. So I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Have a good night. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, I want to thank you again for your support, for listening. Please remember to share and help us get the word out. And until next time, I'll see you then.